The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? It affirms that Jesus is the Son of God. It, it proves that His sacrifice for sin has been accepted. The work of salvation is complete. That's what the resurrection tells us. And those who trust Him, the Bible tells us, can walk in newness of life because He's alive. Jesus is alive. Our Savior is alive. And so what does He give those that believe on Him? He gives us eternal life. The Bible says that that life is found in Jesus Christ. He's not dead. He's alive. And we understand that he died, that he did suffer, but he didn't stay dead. And he is not dead. He's not in some spiritual ghostly form existing after death. He's alive. And it's no surprise that, uh, that Satan has attacked the truth of the resurrection. The, the first lie uh, was that, uh, that he spawned was that the disciples came and stole Christ's body. That was a rumor that was, was told, but it's difficult to imagine how they could have done that. Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15, the Bible talks about that, that lie that was being spread. The disciples had come and, and stolen away the body of the Lord. But uh, if you think about all that, uh, all that Pilate did and ordered that the tomb was carefully guarded, it would have been next to impossible for uh, frightened disciples who were hiding in a, in a room to overcome uh, and overpower the soldiers, open the tomb, secure the body... But the, the biggest obstacle is the fact that the apostles themselves, the Bible tells us here, did not believe that he would be resurrected. So they, they didn't believe that that was even happening, that that had even happened. They didn't believe in that. Why would they steal his body and try to uh, really uh, perpetrate a hoax that they themselves didn't even believe? And uh, a second lie that Jesus did not really die on the cross uh, but he, he only swooned when he was on the cross, that he didn't actually die. And when he was put in the cool tomb, he revived. He came back to life. And Pilate carefully, the Bible tells us, checked uh, with the centurion to see whether Jesus was dead. Mark fifteen forty four tells us this. And the Roman soldiers broke, uh, who broke the legs of the two thieves knew that Jesus had died. In John 19, the Bible tells us that they knew that he was dead. And, and how could a cool tomb transform Christ's body so that he could appear and disappear and walk through closed doors. Uh, that's, that's not what was the case in any way, shape, or form. The message of the gospel rests on the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. I mean, isn't the gospel what we're supposed to preach and teach? Uh, God has given us the commission of sharing the gospel. The gospel has no power without the resurrection. So it's important that we understand as Christians that we've been given resurrected resurrection life and uh, this kind of explains why the Holy Spirit of God climaxes the book of Luke uh, with the report of these appearances of Jesus after he rose. He shows us how many times he appeared, and we see the, the carefulness of Christ to show himself, to uh, prove that he had risen from the dead, not just to uh, a few select, uh, uh, a few people, but uh, to many people, uh, Jesus showed himself. And he first appeared to Mary Magdalene. And then, then to other women, Matthew 28 tells us, and then to two men on the road to Emmaus. And at some time he also appeared to Peter, the Bible tells us, and to his half-brother James. And that evening he appeared to the apostles, but Thomas wasn't with them. And uh, then a week later he appears to the apostles again. This time uh, Thomas is with them. And how many remember that, that whole story we called Thomas the Doubting Thomas because he would not believe unless he saw Christ himself and Jesus appears to them. He appeared to seven of the apostles when they were fishing by the Sea of Galilee. 
He appeared several times to the apostles before his ascension. He taught them. He prepared them for their ministry. And, and to many other believers, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus Christ revealed himself. And when the believers discovered that Jesus was alive, it made a tremendous difference in their lives. I think about tonight, as you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe that he's alive. You believe that he's the resurrected Savior. You believe that he's the, the Son of God. How has that changed your life? How has that transformed your life? And I, I see a few uh, ways that God transformed the lives of these here, and I believe it applies to all of us tonight as we've been transformed. What does Jesus do, number one, with perplexed hearts? Perplexed hearts. The Bible tells us that uh, these were perplexed. They were uh, confused. Uh, they, uh, in verse number four, it tells us they were much perplexed. They were confused about what was going on. They were confused about uh, the direction of what was going to happen next of their life. They had spent most of their time in the last three and a half years of following the Lord Jesus Christ, and they found out that he had died. And boy, they, they felt like everything that they had given their lives to had come to a screeching hold. And, you know, we do not know at what time Jesus arose uh, from uh, the dead on the first day of the week, but it must have been pretty early in the morning. The Bible says it began to dawn uh, towards the first day of the week, they came to the sepulcher, and we know that the tomb had already been, the stone had already been rolled away from the door. Jesus had already been gone. We we know that the, the stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus might come out of the tomb, but so that they might see in that Jesus was not there, that he had had risen. The earthquake and the angel opened the tomb, and uh, the message isn't it the message of resurrection? Uh, the resurrection to come and see and then go and tell, right? And that's what they did. They, they came and saw the resurrected Savior. And each of them, as they had seen that Jesus had risen from the dead, what was their response was to go and tell. It's the same message to us today, right? Once we've come and seen the resurrected Savior, we're to go and tell about these things that we have seen. It's the testimony of our lives. And Mary Magdalene had been helped by Jesus. She was devoted to Jesus. She had lingered at the cross. She was the first person at the tomb. And with her was Mary, the mother of James and Joanna. And the Bible tells us, other devout women. They were hoping to finish a proper burial of the Lord Jesus Christ. They wanted to honor him. It was a, really a sad labor of love, wasn't it? Uh, they were transformed uh, from sadness to gladness when they discovered that Jesus was alive. Who will roll the stone away? That was their main concern. How are we going to get in to anoint his body? with these spices. I mean, they went to the tomb with some kind of faith that someone would be there to roll the stone away for them to get in and to uh, properly anoint the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Must have been a question on these women's mind as, as they probably would have had a hard time pushing the stone. As many of them were there, they probably would have tried, but maybe they hoped that the soldiers would allow them entrance into the tomb so that they could uh, anoint the body of the Lord and honor it. The Roman soldiers wouldn't break the Roman seal. Uh, especially for a group of mourning Jewish women. But God solved that problem, didn't he? When they got there to honor the Lord, they found out their problem had been solved. Not only had the stone been rolled away, but they didn't need to anoint a body because he was not there. He had been risen, as he said. And so as they came in mourning and their perplexion was turned into gladness as they see this tomb that's wide open and there's no guards, there's no soldiers. What a message on that, that Sunday morning as they they came to the tomb. For them to come to a tomb, not only that was no longer shut, but not guarded and nobody there and wide open and nobody present. And what an awesome experience that must have been. At this point, the Bible tells us here that two angels appeared on the scene. 
And um, Matthew 28, Mark 16 mention only one of the two, the one who gave the message to the women. And uh, there was a kind of rebuke in his message, wasn't there? Because he reminded them of really kind of their bad memories. More than once, Jesus had told his followers that he was going to suffer and he was going to die, right? And he said to them, don't you remember the words of the Lord? Don't you remember what he said? Don't you remember how many times he he said this to you, that he told you that he was going to go and suffer? And and how how sad it is when God's people forget his word and live defeated lives. When we forget the word of the Lord... We will always be in confusion, we'll be a mess, we'll be, we'll be sad in our hearts when we forget to remember the words of God. How is it important for us to remember God's word? David said, I'll hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin. We need to remember God's word. Uh, uh, Paul said to Timothy, and that from a child that has known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise in the salvation, he reminded him, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Uh, Paul tells us, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And boy, the powerful word of God. All scripture is what? Given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. That the man of God may be what? Perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Don't we need the word of God? Daily we need the word of God. Jesus reminded us, man shall not what? Live by bread alone, but by every word of God. If Jesus used the word of God as often as Jesus used the word of God, who, do we, who are we to think that we don't need the word of God? And Jesus often uh, quoted the word of God. Boy, he was the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Know the word of God. Speak the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Boy, the Bible tells us that, that we're blessed when we meditate on the word of God day and night. We think on God's word. We have God in all our thoughts when we think of his word and we remember his word. And boy, it's a bad time in our lives when we don't remember God's word, when we forget his word. Mary was lingering by the tomb and weeping. The Bible tells us that Jesus himself appeared to her. It was one thing to see an empty tomb and empty grave clothes, but quite something else to meet the risen Christ. I mean, there she is, and not only did she see the angels and hear their message, but she's there and she's lingering there and weeping, and and Jesus shows up. And boy, to affirm uh, the truth that he had risen from the dead, not only did she go and see that the tomb was open and see that the grave clothes uh, were laid there, but she saw Jesus. She saw him there, and he was standing before us. And, you know, we today cannot see the evidence in the tomb. But we do have the testimony of the witnesses found in the inspired word of God. And that is enough, by the way, for us. We have the witness, the account of that which uh, they had seen and heard and handled with their own hands. We have the eyewitness account. God's preserved that for us. We have a, a document that is perfect, that has been inspired by God and preserved for us, for, for, for us to be able to say, hey, we know the truth because God has given that truth to us miraculously, hasn't he? Boy, we're not, we're not deserving of that, but that's God's grace on us, isn't it? He's given us God's word. We ought not to take that for granted. We can live out our faith in Jesus Christ. We can know personally that he is alive in us. Hey, listen, uh, they say, I, I know Jesus is alive because I talked to him today. I know that he's in my heart. And uh, I hope that you know that he's in your heart. I hope that you know that he's in your life, that he's the, the resurrected Savior is present in your life through the Holy Spirit of God. You know, keep in mind that these women didn't expect to see Jesus alive. 
They had forgotten his resurrection promises. They went to the tomb only to finish anointing his body. They, they, uh, they, uh, to say that they had hallucinations and only thought uh, they saw Jesus is really kind of the fly in the face of the evidence that's presented to us, isn't it? As we know that they weren't all hallucinating. Many people, how would this many people hallucinate about the same thing at the same time? It was not a likely thing. They became excited witnesses, even uh, to uh, those that were uh, to become leaders of the church, that Jesus Christ would be alive. What an awesome thing that Jesus did for these women, that they were the first witnesses. These women came to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, to, uh, to, uh, to do whatever they could for the Lord Jesus, even after his death, and Jesus appears to them, and they got the first blessing. And I believe that's because they showed up. They showed up. And uh, whether they had believing hearts or not, because sometimes, boy, isn't it, isn't, isn't what God does for us. Sometimes we're, we're wavering. Sometimes we don't have the faith that we should. But, you know, God blesses it sometimes when we just show up and we do what we're supposed to do and we follow the Lord Jesus Christ and he gives us a blessing, gives us that joy once again because we show up even in sadness and even when there's discouragement, even when there's opposition to us showing up. Boy, they could have made excuses we're not going to go to the tomb because we can't open the, we can't roll away the stone. We're not going to go there because he's died. It's, what's the use? Why are we going to waste this time or this energy doing this? No, they, they were determined to go. And boy, they got the first blessing, didn't they? They got to see first the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do we see with perplexed hearts that he opens the tomb, but number two tonight, with discouraged hearts, he opens their eyes. With discouraged hearts, he opens their eyes. In verses 13 through 35, we get the account of the two on the road, as we call it, to Emmaus. Those two uh, disciples, uh, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you think about it, Emmaus was a very small village. It was eight miles northwest of Jerusalem. And uh, the two men walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus were discouraged disciples who really had no reason to be discouraged. They were discouraged about a Christ that was dead when Christ was alive. Have you ever been discouraged when you had no real good reason to be discouraged? Not based on the facts, but based on your feelings? Here they were discouraged based on their feelings, not based on the facts, but these facts had not yet been revealed to them. They didn't get the news yet. You know, there's people that are wandering through life that are discouraged, that are in despair and have not heard the good news, the message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're discouraged, but not for good reason. Uh, I believe that many people don't, uh, not trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because, uh, because, they, uh, because they understand the truth of the gospel. I believe that they misunderstand the truth of the gospel. I think anybody who truly understands what Jesus Christ did and they believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, that, that did that for us, and anybody who understands who Jesus really is, when you understand that, boy, it changes you. The problem is not with people understanding the message of the gospel. The problem is with them misunderstanding the message of the gospel. The problem often with that is maybe the witnesses. We're not causing by our lives and the way we're living our lives for people to have faith and believe uh, in the risen Savior because maybe perhaps as Christians we're not living out the resurrected life but we're living discouraged and despair and perplexing situations, confused about what we're supposed to be doing. These disciples should have been rejoicing but they were discouraged. And here they are on the road. They heard of the reports. Notice what the Bible tells us here. In their own words, they tell us, they heard the reports of the women, that the women had gone to the tomb and not found Jesus, but that the stone had been rolled away. They heard that they had seen the risen Savior. 
The Bible tells us that they heard that news, but they didn't believe. Hey, listen, it's a discouraging thing when people hear the news and don't believe. When they don't believe what they've heard, that they need further evidence uh, to reveal, but isn't the Lord good? God shows up here along the way, and notice what He does. Uh, We get the impression that these men were discouraged and disappointed because God did not do what they wanted Him to do. That's what the Bible tells us. They said, we thought that He would be the Redeemer. We thought that He would be the one that would rescue the nation of Israel. He was a prophet, and we thought that He was going to be the Messiah that would would rescue Israel. We thought that He would be the one. And we're discouraged because He didn't do what we thought He was going to do. Sometimes people are discouraged about God, not because of His performance, but because of their lack of faith in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they're, they're thinking that God is supposed to do what they want Him to do. They, they have expectations about what God's going to do for them, and we need to believe in what God has done, and not put other expectations on God. He, he, he's, uh, he's God. We're His servants. And uh, sometimes people come and they want God to do things for them that, uh, that they don't even understand that God's done such great things for them already. They they saw the glory of the kingdom, but they failed to understand the suffering. It's kind of the, the mistake, isn't it, that, that many Jews make today. They, they, they see the glory of the kingdom, but they, they miss the suffering servant in the middle. They miss the reason why Jesus had to come. Jesus graciously walked with them and listened to their animated, heated conversation here. And uh, no doubt they were quoting various Old Testament prophecies. They were having discussion. They were trying to remember what Jesus taught. They were unable to pull it all together and come up with an explanation to make sense. And, and was he a failure or was he a success? Was Jesus a failure? And that's really the discussion that they're having here. Why did he have to die? Was there a future for the nation of Israel? There's a touch of humor in Luke 24, 19. Jesus says this, what things? They said, haven't you heard about these things? And Jesus says, what things? What are you talking about, guys? What are you so worried about? What are you so perplexed over? What is bothering you? And the boy, this, this question, these two words that Jesus asked, boy, it bothers them a little bit. They said, are you a stranger to these parts? Have, have you been around? You know, you must not have been around very long. You're not as, you know, up to date with the current events of what's going on in our world today. Don't you know how in discouragement and despair you should be? If you, if you knew the news of what was going on in the world, you would, you would just be as perplexed and discouraged and, 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 and angry as we are. And Jesus is perplexed that they're not joyful, that they're not worshiping, that they're, that they're, that they're, that they're so enamored with what's going on around them that they're missing what's right in front of them. I mean, who is standing in front of them? The resurrected Savior. And they couldn't see it for the nose on their face. I mean, they, they couldn't see past it. They couldn't see past their own thoughts to see Jesus who was right there. They couldn't see past their own understanding to see what was going on. And he had uh, been patient here. He listens. He listens to what they say. And he tells them what he already knows. You know, the Bible tells us that we can come boldly. You know what that means as we come to the throne? The Bible tells us that we can come boldly. That means with freedom of speech. God gives us the right, the ability to come to Him and speak and talk. Hey, listen, I don't know about you, but I understand before God, I don't have a right to speak. 
I don't have a right to say anything, but Jesus Christ has given us that right. He's given us a freedom in him to be able to talk. You know, you ever talk to God and then go back and say, man, why did I, why am I worried about this stuff? Why have I prayed this way? I think sometimes I just thank the Lord and say, God, thank you for listening to my foolishness. God, thank you for listening to the words that I've said to you that I shouldn't have said. The, the way that I talked that I shouldn't have talked. I should have just had faith. I, I should have just come. But sometimes we come and, and the Lord's just kind of like, what things? What are you worried about? What, what things? What things? Th- Lord, haven't you heard what's going on in America? Haven't you heard what's going on around us? Haven't you heard the news? It's so perplexing. It's so discouraging. And the Lord's like, what things? What are you so worried about? What are you so uh, discouraged over? And the longer Cleopas talked, the more he indicated uh, himself and his friend, uh, he indicted himself and his friend rather for their unbelief. What more evidence could they want? You know, people have said this, if Jesus Christ would just appear before me, I'd believe. Well, Jesus Christ was right before them and they didn't believe. He was standing right there. He was talking to them. He was interacting with them, yet they still didn't believe. If Jesus would just show me a sign, if he would just reveal these things to me. Jesus said, didn't I say? Didn't I tell you? Angels had announced that Jesus was alive. Witnesses had seen him alive and heard him speak. That should have been enough proof. They heard the news. They heard the same things we've heard. Isn't that enough for us to believe? We've heard the witness accounts of others. We've heard the witness of the word of God and... What more evidence could they want? The Bible tells us that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This kind of explains why Jesus did what he did next, doesn't it? Because the Bible says that Jesus began to expound on the word of God. He began to preach to them the word of God. Why did Jesus use the word of God? Because him standing there in front of them was not enough. Because the witness and testimony of someone else was not enough. They needed to hear the word of God. Boy, don't we understand that that's what people need to hear in order to believe? They need to hear the Word of God. And the Word of God is powerful. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth. And people need to hear the Word of God. They don't need to hear our arguments. They need to hear the Word of God. Boy, we better come ready with the Word of God when we speak. And Jesus opens the Word. These two men, uh, as the three of them walk to Emmaus, the real problem was not in their heads, but it was in their hearts. Look at verse number 38. The Bible tells us in verse 38, And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? He's telling them, Hey, the problem is here. The problem's in your hearts. Why, why is this problem? The real problem was in their hearts. They, they could have discussed the subject for days and never arrived at a satisfactory answer themselves apart from the Word of God and the presence of Christ. And what they needed was a fresh understanding of the word of God and Jesus gave that understanding to them he opened the scriptures the Bible says he opened their eyes they realized that Jesus was not only alive but he was right there with them what was their basic problem they did not believe all that the prophets had written about the Messiah it's the problem that most of the Jews in that day had and many have today they saw the Messiah as a conquering redeemer but they didn't see him as a suffering servant they They read the Old Testament and they saw the glory, but they missed the suffering. The crown, but not the cross. Listen, some of us make the same mistake today as we open up the Word of God. We see see the, the health, we see the wealth, we see the blessing, but we don't see the suffering. We don't see the difficulty. We don't see the, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. 
we, we, we understand that there's suffering that is inherent to and, and a part of. And the Bible says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. Yet sometimes we come to God and say, God, why am I going through a trial? And God says, don't think it's strange when you go through a trial. God has graciously and mercifully allowed us to have this life and to be witnesses for Him, but understanding that it is through hardship that we are tried and that we are purified and God wants to bring us forth and cause us to be like Jesus. How can we be like Jesus if we never suffer in the, in the, world, in the world that we live in? The Bible says that He uses suffering to make us perfect, to mature us, uh, to, to establish us, to make us rooted and established uh, in, in the Word and in our faith with the Lord. And boy, how can you know you have faith if it's never tested? The truth is, as we look at Hebrews 11, every single one that is mentioned that they had faith that was counted to them for righteousness... Every single one of their faith in God was tested, was tried. They were put to the test and they had to obey. When the circumstances told them that they could have excused themselves from, the, from what was going on around them, they had to obey. They had to trust Him. And Imagine being at this Bible conference. The greatest teacher explaining the greatest themes of the greatest book and bringing the greatest blessings... Jesus Christ here was preaching himself about himself from the word that he himself was, made flesh, was dwelling among them. I mean, imagine that. I mean, to think Jesus Christ is there and he's, he's preaching of himself in the word of God. The Bible says he expounded to them and eyes open to see him, hearts open to receive the word and lips open to tell others what Jesus had, had said to them. And the Bible says he began at Moses, perhaps Jesus opened up and began to uh, expound from Genesis 3.15, the first promise of the Redeemer. Maybe he traced that promise uh, through the Scriptures. It may have lingered in Genesis 22, which tells us of Abraham placing his only beloved son on the altar. Surely he touched on the Passover and the Levitical sacrifices and the, the tabernacle ceremonies and the Day of Atonement and the serpent in the wilderness being lifted up and the suffering servant, Isaiah 53. The prophetic messages of Psalm 22 and of uh, Psalm 69. And the truth is tonight, the key to understanding the Bible is to see Jesus Christ on every single page. It's the key to understanding the Word of God. When we miss Jesus Christ on the page, we miss the truth of the Word of God. We have to see Jesus through the book, not just in the Gospels. That Jesus is present there From the beginning, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made uh, by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Boy, we understand all things is made by Him and for Him, that all things He might have the preeminence in everything. We understand that Jesus' all power was given to Him. The, The more we receive the Word of God, the more we'll want to fellowship with God, the God of the Word. You know, when we get in the Word of God, boy, we want to know God, don't we? We want to understand more about Him. We want to get to know Him personally. It's the purpose of the Word of God is not to just give us information, but to cause our hearts to burn, to want to know in a relationship who this Jesus is and to know Him personally. And have that burning desire to walk with Him each day and to fellowship with Him and to worship Him. That's what the Word of God should do in our hearts, not just give us information Understanding Bible knowledge, Wearsby said, can lead to a big head, but receiving Bible truth and walking with the Savior will lead to a burning heart. Uh, Jesus opened the Scriptures to them, and then He opened their eyes so they recognized Him, and now they knew for themselves that Jesus was alive. Do you remember 
the time when you knew for yourself that Jesus was alive. That He wasn't just a story. That He wasn't just a message. That wasn't just a religious thing to be a part of and join. That we, when you realize for yourself that the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, is alive and that He's your Savior and He's your God. They had the evidence of the open tomb, the angels, the witnesses, the scriptures, and now their own personal experience with the Lord. Hey, listen, we have all the evidence, but have you had a personal experience with the Lord? That's important, isn't it? It's your testimony. When has Jesus showed up in your life? Boy, maybe like uh, these disciples, it took you a while to realize who he was. It took you a, realize, a while to realize that he was right there in front of you, that he was available uh, to you, and he opened their eyes so that they might see. The best evidence that we have, to, uh, have uh, understood the Bible and meet the living Christ is that we have something exciting to share with others. It's the best evidence that we've been saved is that we have a testimony, that we have something to share. That's what a witness does. It shares what they have experienced themselves. And the breaking of the bread, the Bible says here, the meets with them. It refers to a meal and not the Lord's Supper that Jesus had with them. As far as we know, the apostles were the only ones Jesus had instructed about the Lord's Supper, and it was likely uh, that our Lord would celebrate it. Uh, it was not likely to be celebrating here at this time, but Jesus revealed himself to them during what is uh, their common meal. They just sat down to have at that, that table a common meal, uh, just a meal there around as friends. And, you know, uh, I hope that we learn during the common meals, the common times of life, that Jesus is with us there. Sometimes we, we live for those big occasions, those big times, but isn't Jesus with us always? Those common times is when we need him the most. And not only do we see uh, perplexed hearts and uh, not only, uh, but also discouraged hearts. But we uh, see next, and we're going to move quickly, uh, number three, troubled hearts, troubled hearts. He, he opens their minds in verses 36 through 46, and we'll just finish up this passage. Uh, he uh, shows himself to a group of troubled people. It was his own disciples. They were troubled. Uh, so many exciting things had happened that day. So much, uh, so much was unexplained that the ten of, ten of the apostles plus other believers met together that evening and, and shared their witness with one another. And uh, the Bible tells us here that Cleopas and his friend were telling their story. And Jesus, while they were telling their story, Jesus disappears from being with them and he appears to these disciples in the room. And the, the doors, the Bible tells us, were shut in John chapter 20. So they come in and they're in this room and... They're sharing the stories. They're talking about what they've experienced. They're talking about what they've seen. And the Bible tells us that the door is barred shut. And all of a sudden, boom, Jesus shows up and he's there. You say, well, why do they have such a, a, a scared reaction? I don't know about you, but if someone just appeared next to me, I think I'd be a little afraid too. And, and here they are. They're, they're there in the room and they're talking about Jesus and they're talking about these accounts. And I'm thinking in their hearts, they're hoping that it's true, and they're wanting it to be true, and, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, they, they, they see Jesus in the room, and you'd have expected, really, the believers to have a, a great sigh of relief, to sing a hymn of praise, uh, but instead, they became terrified. They uh, frightened, they were troubled, the Bible tells us. Look at verse number 37, but they were terrified and frightened, and supposed that they had seen a spirit, and he said unto them, why are you troubled, and why do, thought, uh, why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Jesus sought to calm them. The first thing he did was give them a blessing. Notice what he says to them. Peace be unto you. 
He even repeated that. The, the God of peace had raised Jesus from the dead and there was nothing for them to fear. Because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, men and women could now have peace with God. They could enjoy the peace of God themselves, which passes, the Bible says, all understanding. It keeps our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The next thing he did was, cal- uh, was calm them to show them his wounded hands and feet and assure them that he wasn't a ghost. He says, guys, look at my hands. Look at my feet. I want to show you something. I want you to see this. Uh, in many songs, uh, songwriters have mentioned the scars, but uh, the records of the Word of God never talk about the scars that Jesus had, but rather the prints of Calvary that were in his hands and his feet. Uh, they were still there. They'd been marks in the glorified body of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible uh, tells us that those marks he still bears in that body, that glorified body, he still bears the prints the marks of Calvary. It's, uh, it's been said that the only work of man now in heaven is the marks of Calvary on the body of the exalted Savior. Jesus Christ bears those marks uh, in his body, and Jesus here not only shows them the marks in his hands and, and his feet, but notice he even ate some honey and fish to prove his, to, to, his, to these uh, doubting followers here that he's alive and that he's real. I mean, ghosts don't eat, last time I checked. And here he says, hey guys, is there any food to eat? And uh, notice in his glorified state, he eats the fish and the, the honeycomb. And, uh, you know, with our limited knowledge, we cannot explain how a human body uh, can be solid flesh and bones and still pass through closed doors and appear and disappear, or how it can be glorified and still carry the marks of the cross. We, we do know that one day the Bible says we shall be like him and we shall share in his glory. The Bible says he's going to give us a new body. Aren't you glad for that? How many glad that God's going to give you a new body? <laughs> you know, we're going to get that new glorified body, and God's going to give us that body. And, and listen, uh, we see that we're going to be like him. The Bible says we're going to see him, we're going to be like him. We'll see him as he is. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. And Luke 24, 41 describes really a perplexing emotion. Look at it. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, and uh, really uh, what it's showing us is, it was just too good to be true. I mean, they were, they were so perplexed and excited and scared and joyful. I mean, they were going through all this uh, a wave of emotions all that time. We've ever been there? <laughs> Go through a wave of emotion this way. They're excited, but they're scared. They're fearful, and it's too good to be true. The Bible tells us Jacob had the same feeling when he got the news that, that Joseph was alive. And the nation of Israel experienced when God gave them great deliverance and Jesus had told his disciples they would rejoice when they saw him again, and that promise here was fulfilled. The final source of peace and assurance is the word of God. Notice the Bible tells us that the Lord opened their understanding of the Old Testament scriptures, just as he had done with the Emmaus disciples. They understood the scriptures. They understood as he uh, taught them and expounded them the truths uh, of the word of God. And after all, the believers were not being sent into the world to share their own personal experiences. They were being sent to share the gospel, the truth. You know, uh, today we can't touch and feel the Lord Jesus, but it's not even necessary that we do so, but we can rest on our faith in the word of God, can't we? We can believe the truth of God's word. And Jesus not only enabled them to understand the law, the prophets, the Psalms, but he also reminded them of what he had taught them, and he explained how it all fit together. 
They began to understand the necessity for his suffering, his death, and how the cross... The Bible tells us before when he explained it, they didn't understand. They, be, they didn't get it. They missed it because the whole of the gospel had not yet been revealed to them. But now the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and the law, the prophets, all these things, they were all coming together. And what a privilege it was for them to listen to Jesus expound the word. There we see it again. What causes people to understand the truth is the word of God. They hear the Word of God. The Word of God opens up our hearts and our minds, gives us the understanding as the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. And then lastly tonight, we'll be done. The the fourth thing is joyful hearts. What does He do with joyful hearts? Well, He opens their lips. In verses 47 to 53, we see these joyful Christians. The privilege uh, that we get, uh, that we've been given, salvation that we've been delivered, that's a great privilege, isn't it? But with it comes responsibility, doesn't it? We don't just get the privilege of being a child of God. We have the responsibility of what being a child of God entails. Aren't you glad tonight that God is not making us uh, uh, come to a point to where uh, we deserve salvation and then He saves us? It's not how it works. Uh, any more than you have children and you, you, uh, you've allowed them to go through life, they became 18 years old and they finally got to the point to where they had proven themselves enough and then you said, okay, now you're my child. That's not how it works. We're born into the family of God. Uh, we're, we, we, we don't earn our salvation by our works in life. We don't go through uh, life and say, hopefully God's going to accept me. I'm going to do enough. I'm going to finally accomplish enough that finally God's going to say, okay, now you can be my child. No, when we, when we enter into the family of God, it's by birth, isn't it? Jesus said, you must be born again. We're his children when we're born in the family of God. And we're accepted because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because of our performance. It's not because of our works that we have done. But when we become part of the family, he becomes our father, doesn't he? What does a good father do? Boy, he teaches us, doesn't he? He teaches us. He disciplines us. Boy, sometimes it's often that we get chastened when we we go astray. He's a good father. He's a faithful father. He leads us. He encourages us. He embraces us. He comforts us. He loves us. He provides for us. He's a good father. That's the relationship that we have with God. And that relationship has, as we become the children of God, we have responsibility, don't we? Because we're needed to act like we're His children. There's been times where I haven't acted like a child of God. How about you? We're to act like His children. We're to act like He's our Father. We're to show that gratitude and appreciation. I don't know about you, but I want to be, ple- I want to be pleasing to my Father. I want, I want Him to be pleased with uh, my choices, my decisions. He's given me a life to live, and He wants me to follow Him and be obedient to His Word. And Boy, I've failed many times. How about you? Thankful that His grace is sufficient. Thankful that He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. We understand there's two things about God. He's both a mediator and He's an advocate. You know, He lives to make intercession for us, but when we fail, aren't you glad for the lawyer of Jesus Christ? Because He goes to God on our behalf, and we're forgiven because of what Jesus Christ, because the payment's been paid for our sin, and we're forgiven. He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we have an advocate. The Bible says that's the role that Jesus plays in our life. I'm glad that the ministry of Christ didn't cease when he left the earth. It continues in his intercessory ministry and his advocacy for us at the throne. And a witness is somebody who sincerely tells what he's seen and heard. And the word witness is used in one way or another 29 times in the book of Acts. As we see the church in action, 
the Acts of the Apostles as Christians were not judges or prosecuting attorneys sent to condemn the world, were witnesses who point to Jesus Christ and tell lost sinners how to be saved. That's our job. How could a group of common people ever hope to fulfill this kind of commission? Because God promised to give the power to do it, didn't he? You can't do it in your own power. I can't do it in my own power. The disciples who had seen the risen Savior couldn't do it in their own power. Jesus told them to tarry until they were endued with power. Listen, aren't you glad that when we got saved, the Holy Spirit of God indwelled us and we have the power not to just become the sons of God, but to preach the gospel to every creature. He's given us that power. He provided that power in the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came down upon the church and empowered them to preach the word. And after Pentecost, the Spirit continued to fill them with great power. And Listen, witnessing is not something that we do for the Lord. It's, it's something that He does through us if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's what He does through every Spirit-filled Christian. He witnesses through us. There's a great difference between a sales talk and a Spirit-empowered witness. We don't need to have a sales pitch. We need to preach the gospel. That's what God has called us to do and. People don't come to Christ. I love this quote. Vance Habner said this. People do not come to Christ at the end of an argument. They're not there to have an argument with people. <laughs> How many times do we think, boy, if I just argue enough with someone, they're going to get saved. No, people don't come to Christ at the end of an argument. Simon Peter came to Jesus because Andrew, his brother, went after him with a testimony, not with an argument. Listen, the greatest way we can win the loss is to go after people with our testimony. That's what we should be pursuing people with. Not our arguments. Hey, uh, the songwriter said it well. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. The gospel is the greatest argument. All we do need to do is present it. All it needs to do is be preached. It needs to be unleashed. It doesn't need our power. It doesn't need our words. It doesn't need our abilities. It doesn't need our talents. It just needs to be spoken. It needs to be shared and needs to be preached. We go forth in the authority of His name and the power of His Spirit and we herald the gospel of His grace. Um, this ascension of the Lord we see here in, the, in this particular passage of Scripture. Uh, we don't see the Great Commission as we do in Matthew and Mark. But we see this ascension being the prominent part of what's here. And for some reason, our Lord's ascension is not given the prominence really in the church that it deserves. Uh, think of what it meant to Him and to return to heaven and sit on the throne of glory. His ascension is proof that he conquered every enemy and that he reigns supremely far above all. That's what Jesus said when he ascended. Every enemy is defeated. All that needs to be done is complete. And he sat down on the throne because it was done and there he was in his glory. He sat uh, in heaven today, our Lord ministers, we mentioned as a high priest, as our advocate. Through the word of God in prayer, he's ministering to us by his spirit and making us to become more like himself. And of course, he's preparing in heaven a home for his people. Aren't you glad for that promise tonight? I go to prepare a place for you. And uh, one day he'll return and take us to be with him forever, the Bible says. That last thing our Lord did was to bless his people. And the first thing they did was to worship Him. Think about it. He blessed them, they worshiped Him. The two always go together. As we truly worship Him, we'll share His blessings. Notice the Bible says that He came to pass, well, well, He blessed them, verse 51, verse 52, and they what? Worshipped Him. 
Dr. Luke opened his gospel with a scene in Luke 1.8 in a temple. But what he closed his gospel was, was a far different scene, but also, notice, in a temple. Look at Luke 24.53, and we're continuing in the temple, praising and blessing God. Uh, Amen. His book begins and ends in Jerusalem, but his next book that God used uh, him, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God to pen is the book, Acts of the Apostles, that would explain how that gospel left Jerusalem and traveled to Rome, the uttermost parts of the world. And the question for us as God's church, and I just close with this thought, is, is the gospel going out to the ends of the earth from our Jerusalem? Because that's what it's intended to do. It should go to the ends of the earth. It's a, we should be witnesses. He says, and you shall be witnesses unto me. wonder tonight is uh, we have been privileged to hear the gospel. First question for us all is, have we had that personal experience at time when we truly believed on the resurrected Savior? We believe that Jesus Christ died. Listen, there's a lot of people that talk about the fact that Jesus Christ was crucified. They Crucify him anew and refresh every time they go to church. He's still on the cross, if you would. It's not enough to believe that Jesus died, but that he rose again, that he's alive. Do we believe in the powerful, resurrected Savior? Because you can't have resurrection life unless you believe on a Savior who's resurrected. And as he is resurrected, the Bible says we too will be resurrected. Aren't you glad for that promise? Hey, listen, if I, I'd love to be uh, that they which are alive and remain. I'd love to be that, but the truth is we understand is the Lord does tarry that we might be the ones that are the dead in Christ that rise first. And, uh, you know, we may be those dead in Christ, but aren't you glad that if we, even if we die, the promise of the resurrection is there that we will rise again. We have that promise. That we understand that our soul is absent from the body, present with the Lord, but one day will be reunited as God gives us that glorified body and we become like the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and as the songwriter said, what a day, glorious day that will be. What a wonderful thing that's going to be when we see Jesus. Hey, are we sharing the gospel, our testimony? Do you have a testimony tonight? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? And the greatest way to prove that you are a Christian is to be a witness. And ye shall be witnesses. And again, witnessing is not something we do for God, it's something He does through us as we're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot help but speak the words that are in our heart. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.